James, do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Uh, do I have a choice? No. No. Okay. I feel like this is a trick. So I guess I'll take the good news first. It is a trick. But the good news is I found shoes on sale today. Well, that's not a surprise. What's the bad news? I found multiple shoes on sale today. Ah, so you bought a lot of shoes. That's exactly right. But I have more good news. What's that? The CPW is really low. And the CPW means what? Cost per wear because they're great shoes. I'm going to wear them a lot and they're going to be pennies pennies on the wear. <laughs> I don't know if that logic <laughs> makes sense or not. It completely makes sense. Well, I guess it's a good thing that we're talking about finances today. Hello, welcome to the Art of Spousing podcast. We're so thankful you're taking time to join us and listen to the show. Yeah, we are. Thanks for the feedback you're giving us on the podcast. We value your insight and your perspective. The reason we're doing this podcast is because we really believe that marriage has the potential to be a masterpiece, revealing its unique God-designed purpose. We know personally a work of art just doesn't appear, but is intentionally crafted and shaped. Our goal with every episode is to give you tools to practice so that you can help shape the relationship you want and not just survive, but thrive. That's right. Hey, if you're listening in Southern California, we're going to be there this Friday night, October 14th at Southwest Church in Indian Wells, speaking at the Cultivate Date Night event. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I put the link in the show notes where you can get tickets. So if you are in the area, we'd love to meet you there. We also want to invite you to subscribe to our new monthly newsletter. I'm so excited about this. Each month, you will receive an email with links to the last month's blog posts and podcast episodes, along with tips, experiences, and advice how to strengthen your marriage delivered straight into your inbox. You can sign up for the link in the show notes or you can email us at hello at art espousing. Just say sign me up and we'll take care of the rest. That's right. Before we jump into today's content, we want to let you know about an incredible tool that we're offering that you could be a part of. If you're looking for that one thing that could be the game changer for your relationship, then the Marriage Reboot Retreat is just for you. If you want a greater connection with your spouse, if you are tired of feeling stuck in the same old, same old, if you desire to feel the thrill of fun and discovery again, like you did when you first met, we can help. We support couples to reconnect, recharge, and re-engage to pursue their life purpose together. The Marriage Reboot Retreat by Married for a Purpose is a private, intensive experience for you and your spouse working exclusively with Lisa and I for two consecutive full days. At the end of the two days, you will walk away with a unified purpose for your marriage and a holistic vision for your marriage and family supported with a real action plan. If you would like to find out more information about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, you can set up a discovery call with James and I and we will tell you more about it. The link is in the show notes or you can direct message us on Instagram at Art Espousing and we will send you a link to schedule a discovery call. The tensions are real and the impact on marriage is significant as financial challenges rank in the top five stressors between husbands and wives. And you know what, James, it's certainly not a chore finding scientific data to back up the increase of depression and anxiety for individuals related to financial strain. The emotional and psychological implications impact nearly half of American adults. I think I read it's like 42%. It's amazing. The constant pressure leaves individuals overwhelmed and consumed with a strategy on how to make progress forward. The individual impact is compounded by the marriage relationship. Still with the bad news, you're probably saying, Lisa, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. The strain on marriage is known to cause resentment, denial, anger, frustration, shame, and fear. 
with a laundry list of other things. Yeah. yeah. It is true that money is a major stressor. I actually just read this week that in a poll measuring the stress in America, money stress is at the highest recorded level since 2015. Not a surprise. So it's no wonder why finances tend to divide us as couples. However, it doesn't have to dominate or divide us. If we identify some of the root causes of the stress, we can get some practices to reduce the pain points. So today we're going to talk about four ways that money can cause tension in a marriage relationship and also give you some tools to combat those stressors. Okay, so the first one is couples may have different money styles. How we view money and how we interact with money shapes our money style. So how do you identify what money styles you and your spouse are? I'm glad you asked because I have a scientific, well, actually it's a non-scientific assessment for the listeners. You can make the decision. Are you one or the other? Ready? Are you a saver or a spender? Hmm. You might be a saver if you enjoy balancing the checkbook at the end of the month, just to see how much money you saved. You may be a saver. You may be a saver if you have an app for monitoring your finances so that you can watch how much money you're saving, you're a saver. Yeah. So you might be a spender if you have never met a credit card you don't like. (laughs) Or you might be a spender if your inner voice says, I deserve this. I will not deny myself anymore. That sounds like something that's so personal to you, Lisa. (laughs) That's because it is, James. Okay, spend or saver. The next is nerd or free spirit. Okay. You might be a nerd if you sneak popcorn and candy in your bag into the movies. Well, I don't sneak it in my bag, but I sneak it in your bag. You do? You may be a nerd if you get an alert on your phone when expenses are charged to one of your accounts. Yes. Okay. Yes, you have that. You might be a free spirit if knowing the interest rate on your credit card is overrated. (laughs) I don't know the interest rate. You might be a free spirit if a $4 latte for you and for you and for you and for you and then all the coworkers tomorrow, I'm going to buy you. It's a, a big four- latte party. Oh my gosh. And the you might be a free spirit if you don't care if your spouse has an alert on their phone when <laughs> expenses are charged. So I may be a free spirit. Personal experience. That's right. Often one spouse is the spender free spirit and the other one is the nerd saver. The unfortunate combination is when it's a double down spender free spirit. Like (laughs) we actually did prep for marriage with a a couple that they were both free spirits and a spender. And so we talked a lot about disciplines around that. So it's great when you are opposite. But anyway, for those people, they need their own podcast on how to navigate (laughs) that. You can clearly see the challenge though during the assessment that the struggle is actually real. The goal is to identify yourself and have a conversation. So for example, James, you are? I'm a saver and a little bit of a nerd. That's right. Without the glasses. Right. And I'm the opposite. But the unique thing about us is we actually flip a little bit. Sometimes it depends on what the season is. And what's really bad is if we're both feel like we've denied ourselves too long and we both make poor choices. So right. yeah. there's beauty in finding balance that the saver nerd can appear to be more responsible 
But honestly, being too extreme can be a culprit for tension also. That's right. Years ago, I remember a couple, we were coming alongside of a young married couple who were having some financial tensions. In the situation, the husband was the nerd. Yeah, he was a saver. And he was a saver and kept a really tight budget. And honestly, the wife wasn't really careless because she had lived with him long enough, but certainly wasn't to the degree he was. She literally processed with me about having to return pickles. <laughs> two jars of pip, two two jars of pickles. Say that ten times fast. Yeah. Two jars of pickles. That was actually an extreme case, and actually isn't actually the healthier version. That's right. You know, many times our money style is imprinted on us from experiences and environments in which we grew up, or we witnessed the lack of or extravagance of money. We recently coached a couple that had some tensions around their finances, and it really came down to their money style, right? Yeah. And what we found out is that one individual was a spender, the other was a saver. As we talked about this tension, we discovered that each of their money styles was rooted in actually financial trauma that they had each individually experienced before they were married. And that was now playing out in how they viewed money and that tension was real in their relationship. Yeah. The interesting thing is the money trauma in each of them was the opposite right. coming together. It truly was causing great tension, right. tears and disconnection between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things you can do to work on this tension, if you find that maybe that's a tension in your marriage around finances, is to take some time to discuss your money styles, discover which one's a nerd, which one's a free spirit, and then Talk about how to work together to find common ground on how as a couple you'll handle your finances. So we've had to do that. We have some tools that we share and we know that there's going to be times if I say, hey, we need to talk about our finances, you have to show up for the meeting, right? right? As a free spirit and dial in on that. And I also have to know as a saver and nerd not to be too stingy or too frugal with money that it's going to cause you to feel quelched in your ability to live and buy shoes. That's right. And the truth is there is some language in here that you and I had to navigate tension with is that you would ask, where's that budgeted to? Mm-hmm. We budget all of our dollars down to the penny. Mm-hmm. And so you're just asking, where'd you budget to? But how it was impacting me was, where are you getting that money from? Right. And it really wasn't that, but because we didn't have good language about that, you're going, what category was it that you are allotting it to? Because you have that beautiful app that I never actually populate. So then you have to ask me where I spent the money. So right. if I would just put it in the app, you wouldn't have to ask me the question. Right. Jane. And we can talk a little bit about that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the second way money can cause tension in a marriage relationship is through excessive debt. That's right. So whether good debt or bad debt, It is so much more than just money. It all adds up to tension. Debt comes about from self-made choices or sometimes external factors out of our control. Right. Each of us could list a ton of external factors beyond what I'm about to rattle through. But just for example, unfortunate expenses. Experiences. We each could list external factors beyond what I will rattle through here, but unfortunate experiences, sometimes things happen. No amount of planning can avoid becoming all consumed with it. For example, a health diagnosis that involves a lot of medical bills beyond insurance. We've actually had that experience. Or sadly enough, like our Floridian neighbors on the West Coast of Florida with this natural disaster could not have planned around that even insurance wouldn't actually cover all the financial burden that that would bring, often either by a lack of planning 
or the lack of ability, we do not plan for the unforeseen expenses that seem to pop up out of nowhere, like car issues. Affectionately in the Duvall home, our lemon is called Limoncello. That's me (laughs) trying to be nice about her. My car currently is on the mend because of a very long scratch down the driver's side that I just created this last week. Right. We could have never expected a new car would have the amount of issues we've had with that car. We've actually paid for the car twice. We have. It's very sad. Then you have other unexpected expenses like roof replacement, AC units out. We've been there. A list of home repairs, not to mention if you rent, rent increases over the last year have skyrocketed. Right. These unforeseen bills can really put a damper on any type of savings or getting ahead strategies. Then there are the whoops, this got out of hand expenditures. <laughs> These are small bad choices over time that compound into a large amount of debt. This is my tendency. I make plenty of small purchases that add up, totally creating this giant knot in the pit of my stomach. Yeah. Or in your case, it could be a spontaneous larger price tag item, quickly having buyer's remorse after it. That's right. Like a TV or a bike or something. And it's so easy for those small things to add up because with Amazon Prime or whatever, it's yes. just like, oh, I need that. And you don't actually have to go anyplace. It comes right to you. And sometimes when we go through our bills, I'm like, oh my gosh, we spent that much money on Amazon Prime this week. Yes, it's crazy. I am so guilty of that. So we've had our fair share of unforeseen expenses, but I am sad to say more often we have had undisciplined accumulated spending is yeah. our big issue. That's true. And that can cause tension and it's caused tension tension in our relationship right right, in the past. But if you're currently in that situation where you have excessive debt or there's tension in this area, we have found a couple tools that have helped us and we thought we'd share those with you. These are things that we've used and we currently use to help us get out of this tension area. One of the things that I love that has caused a great momentum for us is the idea of the snowball plan. We learned this concept first from Larry Burkett. That's old school back in the early 90s, I think. We had a good amount of college debt when we first got married, we were challenged to find 10%, I believe it was 10% yeah. of money at the end of each month that we just went, we're going to pull away 10%, take that amount, apply it to the minimum payment of the debt we chose, which I think you had a formula for which one we tackled first. When that bill is paid, we apply that total amount, 10% plus the payment to the next minimum payment, so on and so forth till all bills were paid off. Yeah. And we have done this a couple of times in the last 30 years. Was there a a way you knew which bill to tackle first? Do we go the Yeah, I, I think you can do it different ways. And I actually have a Excel spreadsheet that I'll add to the show notes. You can do it by the lowest balance or the highest percentage. And the idea is that you can pay things off a lot quicker because you're paying the minimum on all your debts, except for one that you're putting this snowball amount right. and you keep adding that and it actually rapidly pays off debt, which is pretty incredible. Right. I love when we choose the smallest one first because I feel like, hey, we're making momentum, we're crazy. It. So, right, small wins along the way, right? That's right. Well, because I love to see written goals, we would map this out back in the 90s, early 90s when we did this. We did it on paper so I could actually see it. And then we got all fancy and we had a chalkboard here at the house and we would write it out so I could see how we were accomplishing it. It helped keep me on target. Daunting at times, this whole snowball plan. Uh-huh. We had a plan. 
and we were chipping away at it together. So no matter how many lattes or shoes I wanted to buy, it would not derail me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And you know, when another expense comes up that you're not prepared for, then you could just go back to your minimum payments. You already have a little bit of money saved up in that snowball that you can apply to that so you don't continue to increase your debt. It's really a great system. Another tool that we use to avoid debt is to live on a budget. And it's amazing how many couples that we coach who are getting ready to get married and one or the other or both of them have not lived on a budget. We've been using this budgeting app for years now called You Need a Budget. And the thing I love about it is it's very similar to another budgeting system called envelopes that you actually assign every dollar of income to a job. We have so many dollars that go to groceries, so many dollars that go to clothing, so many dollars that go to electricity. That way you can track your spending along the way and not go over those envelopes or those categories. It's very helpful, especially on a digital app like You Need a Budget because both of us can see it real time and the expenditures are tracked. And that's when you buy shoes. I kind of go, Oh, I see you bought shoes. But it also is a weekly argument crusher because we predetermine and we set the budget. We've agreed on what we're going to spend and we're not going to go over that. And that helps keep us from getting in debt and also gives us extra money to put on unforeseen expenditures and some money in savings. Yeah. And I love that because we set time to talk about finances, set that budget This is a time that we're not tense about the money. Now, it can get tense when we're setting those categories, but I love that we have reasonable categories that allow for a little bit of margin and independent freedom in spending. Because if we went, we're not ever going out to eat, or we're not ever going to buy shoes, or we're not buying any clothes for a year. That that would would, kill you as a free spirit. It would. And we wouldn't actually see goals, and it, it would be hard to do. So I love that we actually set some free money. I have my own free money. You have your own free money. It's not free. Nothing's free. but but I can spend it the way I want. We have family categories for family night, date night, always very important as married right. people to have some money for that. Now in different seasons, those categories were populated with different amounts. Right. And even even in a time of crushing debt, we may reduce some of those things and go, we're going to eat home more. But I like when we stack hands on that, have a little bit of freedom to spend because it helps us get out of debt quicker, knowing that we're not cutting back on everything. Yeah. And that fun money that each of us has, it's not a lot, but we don't have to answer about it. We can spend it any way we want to and don't have to get permission for it. We can save it up if we because roll over. Wanna, we roll it over to the next month. And so if I'm trying to buy something, a large thing for my bike or whatever, I can save up my own fun money and do that. And it doesn't affect our budget. I do feel like I need to say that I, I threw you under the bus on the large expenses, but you actually do save money and purchase things for your I'm bike. A saver. You are. You do a great job. Sorry about that. Okay. So we talked about money style, different money styles. We talked about debt. The third way money can cause tension in a marriage relationship is due to financial detours. There are going to be times when your financial plan is going to, by force or by choice, be adjusted. This could be due to the loss of a job, or maybe there's a business failure. It could be due to a life transition, like having a baby or a retirement. It could also happen in the case of maybe an elderly parent needs to be taken care of, which can impact the financial plan. Regardless of the reason, these detours can cause tension in a relationship. Yeah, we've experienced detours a couple times in our marriage journey. Twice we planned for a decrease of income. 
Prior to having kids, we moved from Ohio to Kansas, and we made the decision to adjust our income to one salary, your salary, so that I could prepare to stay home even before we had kids. Um, I wasn't even pregnant at the time, but we were trying to pay off that $30,000 college loan and shifting to one income. So back in 1994, that was a pretty big... That was a big deal. Yeah, that was a lot of money. I believe you were making $200 a week and then $250 extra if you counted the pork and the beef that we got (laughs) from farmers, which by the way, was the best beef and pork we've had. Yeah. And all, no joke. You know, you hear stories about pastors like being paid in, you know, crops and beef and we corn. We lived in a parsonage. Yeah, I lived in farming town in Kansas. And that was pretty amazing because we got some of the best meat in the country. No joke. I love all our Kansas friends. Yeah. You know, although our kids are grown and we haven't yet made a significant work transition, we have seen our parents and church family that feel like family make transitions right. in, their, in their life to retirement and maybe take on family members, and we've seen the good, the bad, and also the really sad. Yeah. One of my favorite statements by my mentor, Jim Rohn, an ounce of discipline weighs far less than a ton of regret. So true. So really, if we can just create some discipline and are spending less and saving more, if there's opportunities, even with your employer, that maybe they have a, a retirement that they do a matching fund, take advantage of those things. That discipline will add up. And for us, we don't want to end up someday not ready for a transition where our income is maybe different mm-hmm. than what it is today. Yeah. You know, our parents have done such a fantastic job of preparing for their golden years and it hasn't been a financial burden on us and we want to do the same for our kids because I actually look back at our 20s and 30s and I thought 50 year old people were old (laughs) and I couldn't even see how we were going to get there yet here, we, Here are. we are. And it's a weighty thought, not a burden, but it's a mindful thought for our future as we are either spending or saving and planning rightfully so for our next season. I want it to be for us that we have that freedom, but I also want that freedom for our kids that they're not feeling the weight of caring for us financially. Right. That's so good. So the fourth way money can cause tension in a marriage relationship is through distrust. Right. And by this, we mean distrust of God. I know this may be new to some people, but Lisa, you and I believe and have found it true in our lives and countless others that when we put God first place in our finances, he will bless us with what we need when we need it. Yeah, we determined we would put God in first place in every area of our lives, including money. From the onset of our marriage, we have always been faithful in the biblical practice of tithing, one-tenth of our income to the church. We believe God can do more with our 90% than what we could do with 100% in our own strength. That's right. This has been such a joy. It's never been a second thought to us, so much so that we look forward to stretching ourselves and giving when the opportunity arises. This can be a huge hurdle for couples. There's a supernatural work that happens in our hearts and our spiritual intimacy and our financial freedom when we give back to God a portion of what he's already given to us. Like it all belongs to him. So we're actually giving back just a portion of what's already his. And by financial freedom, I don't mean we're going to double your money back. (laughs) And I don't mean if you do this, your kids will be the next Billy Graham. Or if you do this, all things are going to be easy. It's a freedom of the spirit, a peace that comes from obedience that feels better than anything that money can buy or possessions that we can own. 
I know that we have never gone without. That's right. Matter of fact, we've been blessed in many ways beyond just our needs, and we have been able to enjoy a lot of things we desired or wanted. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if we started listing the ways over the last 30 years that we've seen God bless us mm-hmm. in unexpected ways, it's almost embarrassing. And it's not always been financial, but there have been tangible ways that God has provided for our family that things that we would never have been able to provide, basic needs for our family. And so we are fully in on this. And I just encourage you that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of God and you're not faithful in this area, it really is trust. And you can trust God that no matter what you can do with your finances, God can do so much. I love in the Bible, in the book of Malachi, chapter three, verse 10, it's in the Old Testament says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and that would today be the church, mm-hmm. that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And you've probably heard this before. It's the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. And so it's an opportunity to really get our finances in order when we put God first place in our finances. He's going to take care of the stress that sometimes comes with our money styles. He's going to help us overcome some of the challenges of the debt in our life. He's going to be there when detours happen in our finances to help alleviate that stress. So again, if you are listening today and you call yourself a Christian, we want to challenge you to test God in this, right. put him first place in your finances and see what he'll do in your life. And again, we've witnessed this over and over and over again. He's going to take care of you, except when your spouse goes out and purchases 10 pairs of shoes that are quote unquote on sale. I know, but the cost per wear, the CPW, back to the CPW. Oh gosh, I see what you did there. Using God's word against me. That's not biblical. I will tell you, it's not biblical. We would love to hear your thoughts and answer any questions you have about what we shared today. You can email us at hello at Art Espousing or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Art Espousing. We'd love to hear from you. So if you found this episode helpful, please let your friends know by sharing it with them. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. And please remember to subscribe to our new monthly newsletter. You can sign up with a link in the show notes or you can email us at hello at artespousing.com. Just say, sign me up and we'll take care of the rest. Join us next week. You're not going to want to miss it. We have our friends Brandon and Michelle Cato on the show talking about all things Enneagram and it's going to be hysterical. It's, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Art Espousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye. bye-bye.